Alright, uh, episode two of Nothing But Net. Um, a lot of exciting things going on in the sports world right now. I think that we're kind of entering that, like, eclipse, uh, I like to call it, of, you know, you got the NFL action going on, weeks going into week six, the NBA preseason is right now, going into the season in about a week or two. You got the uh, MLB playoffs, that they've been hot, and the NHL started last night. So it's a really exciting time for sports right now. And um, I think just starting with the NFL, I think the biggest news of the weekend probably happened off the field with the uh, whole John Gruden thing, um, which is just like, there's so many pieces of that that were just insane. But for anybody that doesn't know, on Saturday, um, the NFL released a thing that was basically saying that uh, John Gruden sent an email to the commissioner, Roger Goodell. That wasn't um, the nicest email. He called him some words, whatever. I think people kind of thought that it was this email. He wasn't going to get fired over it. It was one of those things. And um, I kind of thought that it was going to get blown under the dust. And this was before the Bears game on Sunday. And then after the Bears game... Um, it was reported that various emails have come up the surface that were extremely homophobic, misogynistic, some racist comments. If I'm not going to say any of them because I physically just like cannot say it on the air, but uh, if you want to go look that up, you can. Um, it was just really disheartening because this guy's been one of the NF one of the faces of the NFL in terms of not terms of like playing, obviously. But he's been one of the more decorated coaches of this era, 21st century. So it's just uh, really disheartening to see that. And even more so, it's just cre creates this whole thing and this why it's just so eerie, is that how they found these emails. So basically, 11 months ago, which for prior to the end of this case, so it was July, so it was probably August 2020, a whole investigation went um, up about the Washington football team and quote-unquote workplace misconduct. So they were investigated for 11 months going through thousands and thousands and thousands of emails. And basically, the during these emails, Bruce Smith, who was a Washington football team president, um, they saw that they were ex he was exchanging emails with Gruden. They worked prior together I think um, in Tampa Bay where he was the coach for the 2003 um, Super Bowl run and you know they exchanged emails and that's how Gruden got into this case but for the Washington football team they were fined 10 million dollars undisclosed why no like they didn't say why but they were fined 10 million dollars and Dan Schneider, who's the owner of the Washington football team, had to give up his day-to-day -day responsibilities, not to somebody else in the organization, but to his wife, Tara Schneider. So I think this whole thing is just extremely weird. Extremely weird. And do I think John Gruden's the last one to go under and he's going to be the only one to blame during this entire thing? No. I think there will be many, maybe not many others, but there will be others that come to light through this because this whole email thing, it's just apparently they canvas just like any email that went through the NFL throughout the last, you know, decade and decade, two decades. So it's just, it's really crazy. 
and um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with it because you know right now obviously John Gruden resigned which I think everyone kind of saw coming he was taken out of Tampa Bay Buccaneers Ring of Honor which was I think another crazy thing but again not something that um, is shocking because I think everyone can understand that you know when you say th these things and you get um, brought to light on these kind of things that you're doing it, you will get you will pay the price for it um, now to on the field play the uh, Bills and Chiefs played and I think this was like the game of the week um, it was the Sunday night game I, I think all the hype was wrapped around this game for the week and the Bills just did not disappoint at all I mean Josh Allen looked unbelievable 315 3 TDs and the thing about them is just they have so many options on offense and defense. I mean, their offense is so dynamic. I love Emmanuel Sanders there. I think he just creates another target. Obviously, you got one of the best receivers in Stephon Diggs. Dawson Knox is stepping up. You got two pretty decent running backs in Singletary and Zach Moss in the backfield. And Josh Allen can run it and throw it too. So it's just, they're so dynamic. Their defense is rock solid. I mean, you can't complain about this defense. And I think they're probably the most complete team in the NFL, and I would not be surprised if they um, make it to the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. The way they're looking right now, I think they're a Super Bowl favorite. And on the other side of the ball, the Chiefs, you know, we, we were saying this past two years about the Chiefs, but we're saying about the Bulls right now. You know, we were calling them a complete team. They got this unbelievable quarterback. They still do in Pat Mahomes. I know he's had a rough start. I think he has six interceptions so far this year, which is just as much as any total he's had. He had six last year, which has tied the total, and five the previous year, and this is throughout the entire season. So he's definitely struggling, but I would not be worried about this offense one bit. Um, they still are the same offense that you know won the Super Bowl. They still got all the pieces there. I, I, I think the line they rebuilt the entire line after that Super Bowl loss last year and I think that's been looking good so I'm not worried about the Chiefs I think what I'm worried about most is the Chiefs defense I think that's where all the struggles kind of you know where it's centered around is this defense and you know the thing about uh, quote-unquote dynasties is that you need fresh blood pumping in and out and you just need new faces to come in. I mean, like you can say the same thing about uh, New England. New England, I think everyone knew even from the first era of Super Bowls they won that they were gonna be good for a really long time, but they weren't always the best team in the league, you know? Like they won six during their time, but this was also over almost 20 year period, so yeah, extremely dominant. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's not like every single year they were in the Super Bowl. So it, I think they need new faces. And speaking of new faces, I think that one big piece they could possibly pick up is the Seattle Seahawks' Bobby Wagner. Uh, Bobby Wagner has been probably the best linebacker of the decade. He's just been unbelievable. He was unbelievable during the Seahawks title runs. You know, I know they went there a couple times. And he's just, he's 31 now, so he's kind of on like that backside of his career. And I think that you know the way Seattle's going, especially with the Russell uh, Wilson drama, 
dating all the way back to the summer where everyone thought, you know, maybe he's going to get moved this offseason. He spoke about uh, out about the O-line. Pete Carroll said stuff about him. Pete Carroll said stuff about him during the season um, prior a couple weeks ago. Um, he said something along the lines of he didn't play great in overtime. And Russell Wilson's been unbelievable this year. So I don't really know how you can say that about the best player on your team. But it's starting to look like Seattle. I mean, their defense has just been horrible this year. And I think it's starting to kind of come around that maybe it's time to flip this team, get rid of P. Carroll, get rid of Wilson, and with that, get rid of Bobby Wagner because he's a guy that is going to cause trade interest. He, I mean, he is just a bona fide, solidified defense machine. And I think if you're Seattle, you could probably get the Chiefs to buy high on him. I'm telling you. I mean, if I'm the if I'm the Chiefs, I want this guy. He's he's a game-changing type player and he can change the way this defense looks. So, I think there's no reason why um Seattle, uh, Seattle should should uh not get rid of Bobby Wagner if this is the way they're going to go and there's no reason why uh Kansas City should not try to pick him up. And if it's not Bobby Wagner, then maybe it's like C.J. Henderson down in Jacksonville. I don't think he's that of a game-changing type player that Bobby Wagner is. But he will help that secondary. And I think whether it's the pass rush, whether it's the secondary, whether it's the uh, linebacker crew, I think this defense just needs another look because the Chiefs defense, especially the way I get it, um, it's the Bills' offense. They're one of the best in the league, but you're also one of the best teams in the league, so you need, a, you need to stop them. There's really not an excuse for that. So we'll see what happens with that. On the other side of things, uh, you got the Browns-Chargers game, which may be a little bit of an overreaction here, but this kind of looked like an, AV, an AFC championship preview a little bit. I mean, Justin Herbert looked like he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think he's starting to prove that. And he looks like he can maybe make an MVP run. I'm not saying he's going to win MVP. I'm just saying that he definitely is looking like he can be a candidate. He had four or five touchdowns. Uh, kind of like Josh Allen, I think he just zips the ball, and it's just it's always accurate. And I, I am in love with Justin Herbert and the way he plays because it's just – He's very dynamic. I love the offense that they put around him. Keenan Allen's very good. Mike Williams has had a monster year. Um, Eckler's good. So this offense is really good. And, you know, the defense will pick up the slack. I think that Joey Bosa and Jer Derwin James, they're, they're both good defenders, and I think they can pick up the load on defense. I'm not saying that this defense needs to be rock solid for the L.A. Chargers, but... If they want to make a playoff run, I think they have the offense for it. And I think if the defense can play, you know, to a playoff level, at just max playoff level, I think they can easily make um, a deep run in the playoffs. And for the Browns, I think this is all about they got the pieces. Everyone knows that. I mean, they continue to add pieces every offseason. I think it's more about putting it all together. And I think even though they lost, I think I saw that. Um, Baker... The more I want to say he's not, you know, a bona fide starting quarterback and he can lead his team to a deep playoff run, I, the more he proves me wrong, uh, to be honest with you. Because uh, what I saw on Sunday, the off, that offense too, I mean, just like 
I love the two-headed monster in the backfield with Chubb and Hunt. And then you got great receivers that surround him. You got a good O-line. And that defense, I mean, Miles Garrett, probably outside of Aaron Donald, might be the best pass rusher in the game. So it's definitely something to look at. And it'll be interesting to see how these two teams play out because I'm telling you right now, these two teams definitely made a statement on Sunday that they're two serious, serious NFL teams. Um, and speaking of serious NFL teams, I think people need to start taking the Baltimore Ravens seriously. You know, I think that they've gotten more hype in the year and the year before than they have this year, and I think it's because of what happened in the preseason. They had this whole injury woe where like every guy, they got lost every everybody in the running back room. They had to go out and sign guys. I think the only guy that was healthy left in that running back room was Tyron Williams, who was an undrafted rookie. So it's definitely uh, interesting to see that they have lost that hype around them. But Lamar Jackson, uh, 440 yards. I mean, we were saying just a couple weeks ago, we were ripping into him that he hasn't had a game over 250 in his career. And now he throws for 440 against the Colts defense. Yeah, they've been struggling mightily this year, the whole entire Colts team. But regardless of that, it's they still have a def decent defense. And Lamar Jackson just ripped them apart. Um, he's been looking great. Uh, Wink Martindale runs that defense unbelievably. I think Kalias Campbell's been a force to be reckoned with. So... I definitely consider the Ravens another team that can make a playoff run because you can say that they don't have much of a run game, but at the same time, they got one of the best running backs in the league and quarterbacks in the league in Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's like both. So, um, very cool stuff. And speaking of week five, the kicking was just horrendous. Horrendous. Probably one of the worst kicking weeks. Um, the NFL's ever seen. I mean, the most extra points that uh, has been missed like by all kickers in a week in the Super Bowl era. Um, and one game in particular was the Bengals and Packers game. I mean, it was just ridiculous. They were just missing everything, especially down late when it went into overtime. They were missing uh, um, literally everything. Evan McPherson, they actually, the clip of him jumping in his punter's arms after he thought he won the game, but he actually just missed the kick. That was pretty funny, but it was seriously, like, unbelievable that this week that kickers were just missing everything. And um, even the Colts, uh, the Colts, the Blankenship, like, what, he was kind of doing some weird stuff too because they sent out the punter and Naheem Hines was the holder, and then they, they like, took him off and then brought out bank Blankenship, and then he made one, and then I think he missed one. So it was it, it was just a weird week for kickers. And um, New York teams had a tough time this week. The Jets um, were in London this week against the Falcons. I, I Listen, they got blown out in the first half, I think. It was ridiculous. I think they were out down 20-3 at halftime. They were making Matt Ryan look like he was back in his MVP year. Uh, but if you're a Jets fan, I don't think you're really holding that grudge of losing games like that. I think you kind of just more want to see that your number two overall picks making the steps forward. And he definitely made steps forward this week. 
don't get me wrong, he's still making horrendous reads and he's throwing picks that just don't need to be thrown. But at the same time, he's making these high, high, high um, NFL throws that you probably are among like one of the league's best already. Like, I'm serious. Like, he's making these like Russell Wilson type throws, especially with his like small body, like him and Kyler. He's going to have to be like that. He's going to have to be that dual threat, kind of getting out of the pocket, improvising, and making these long, deep, accurate throws. And he's been doing it so far. As much as much interceptions as he's thrown, he's also made a couple really, really nice throws. So I think he's made steps forward that Jets fans could be happy about. And the Giants, I mean, there's not really much to talk about the Giants game. You know, the Cowboys looked really good. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, the, the Giants' entire offense is out. Entire offense. The, the three guys from the opening day lineup are in for the offense. And they're all linemen. So, um, I don't think you can really accurately judge the Giants right now. I think Daniel Jones has had a great season so far, and I think while he was in the game, he definitely looked good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be one of those seasons yet again for New York fans, where the Jets and the Giants, they're both just trying to make steps forward. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't really be upset if I was a Jets fan right now, because, yeah, you lost to a Falcons team that isn't good don't get me wrong but uh you definitely made steps forward that we, that just weren't there in a couple weeks before so um now to the nba the nba it's in the preseason right now it's the season's kind of starting to heat up and i think the preseason and summer has kind of been wrapped around two two guys kyrie irving and ben simmons and I think they're honestly kind of trying to test the limits, especially in an NBA setting, because we've seen it happen in the NFL um, a lot of times now with um, Deshaun Watson doing it, Melvin Ingram did it, Le'Veon Bell did it. I think they're kind. I think these guys are kind of trying to test how powerful the player the players are in the NBA in terms of really controlling what they do and what and where they want to go and stuff like that. I think. That in the Ben Simmons case, yeah, everyone knows what happened with that. I mean, he had a playoff series that probably will never be um, talked about in his household again just because how horrendous it was. Just scared the shoot. It, it's just a nightmare of a series. Doc Rivers comes out in the end of the se- at the end of the season in the exit interview, says he doesn't know if Ben Simmons can be a championship-winning point guard. And Joel Embiid also play, plays some game. Listen, the blame is 100% to Ben Simmons. He deserves all that blame. I'm not saying that the rest of the 76ers team doesn't deserve blame. I'm just saying that a lot of that blame should fall on Ben Simmons. I think he should know that too. He didn't play at all to where he should have played. But I think the whole way this offseason went down with him not showing up to camp and the guys flying out to L.A. and he's not, he didn't want to meet with his teammates because they were just trying to get him to commit to the season. He didn't want to meet with them and requesting trades left and right whatever now you show up the other day unannounced at the 76ers headquarters like you're a freaking doordash order so it was definitely really interesting to see that headline that like ben simmons shows up to the headquarters but it was also the right decision because now he puts himself in a position where yeah you can either try to make it better or you can try to just play your best and you know maybe raise your trade value because no one really wants you right now. 
I mean, I, I don't really, like, right after that playoff series, I'm not really trying to take Ben Simmons in and seeing what he's going to, how he's going to respond to that. I think that he needs to make that response in Philly, which he now probably will, and we'll see you from there. And uh, the other big headline in the NBA um, offseason slash preseason has been Kyrie Irving. And the Kyrie Irving um, drama has had so many different opinions and so many different sides coming in on what they think about it. And my opinion truly is that, um, I, listen, I'm not going to say the vaccine is a good thing or a bad thing. I, I'm not, I don't have an opinion on it, whatever. I think the facts of how it's being dealt in the NBA is just how it's being dealt. You know, in New York, in Toronto, in San Francisco, you can't play unless you have it. You can't play in home games, you can't practice, nothing. And Kyrie Irving is a, on a championship level team where he's getting relied on by his fans, by the organization, by his teammates. He needs to be there and he's not there. And everybody else in this organization has sacrificed themselves for this vaccine. And I think that it's very selfish of him not, I, I get it, he's thinking about himself and I'm not saying he needs to be forced into this. I'm just saying that, you know, you've watched everyone else around you take it and there has been no detrimental damage to them. And I think you need to think about your teammates over yourself, especially if you wanna win a championship. Cause this is a big testament to Kyrie's career. I'm gonna be honest. And especially now what's happening, it's an even bigger testament how he's gonna deal with this whole thing. And Sean Marks, the GM, and Steve Nash, the coach, they said they're not accommodating for him. They're not even letting him play in away games, which he's actually allowed to do. But they said he's not a participant of this team unless he's vaccinated. And I think he's trying to be oppositional, defiant. Um, but either way, I think it's a not a, hu like a humongous deal. And I think he's brought so much attention to it that it's almost snowballed into this huge, huge storyline. And it's gonna be really interesting to see how this plays out because I think that there will be changes by the beginning of the season. And if that means that Kyrie Irving retires, that means that he's traded. If that means that he's gonna get vaccinated and whatever it is, or like exactly whatever it is, there's, it, he's not just gonna be stagnant. He's not gonna not speak out about it. I think there will be some sort of clarity on this situation by the time the season rolls around, or at least I hope, because going into the season with this total uncertainty of Kyrie Irving is just, it's just going to be a nightmare for Brooklyn Nets and their fans. On to the MLB, um, it's been the ALDS and the NLDS. Um, the ALCS was decided last night as Houston crushed the White Sox create for what I'm a Yankee fan so this is a nightmare for me to say but uh Boston versus Houston ALCS and Freddie Freeman on, on the other side of the league Freddie Freeman hit a solo shot in the eighth to put the Brewers in the NLD and LCS and the Dodgers force game five so we'll see what happens with that because I think this is probably the best series that we're gonna see the Dodgers and Giants and I think in my opinion, I think the winners in that series. Whoever wins game five, I think. The Brewers are a good team, but they're missing guys. You know, obviously you got Acuna out. You got the ace picture out. You just lost your um, closer. So you got a lot of guys out, and I just don't think the Brewers are have enough manpower 
to beat a team like the Dodgers or the Giants because they're just two ultimate, so complete teams. And I'm so shocked that Tampa Bay lost, to be honest, to Boston. But Boston's having one of those runs, man. I mean, they got Verdugo. They got so many pieces, too. And I, it breaks my heart to actually give Boston credit, but they're having one of those runs. And I can totally, totally see whoever wins the Dodgers or Giants, I can totally see a Boston versus one of those two teams World Series. And from there, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, in other news, the NHL had their first... Um, two games last night. The banner was raised for Tampa, back-to-back -back champs. Pittsburgh spoiled that with a 6-2 win, and they don't even have Crosby, Malkin, or Jake Insel. But uh, if you're Tampa Bay, I think you're not worrying about the regular season at this point. You're, act you're literally in that mindset of a dynasty where you know that you can you could squeak in the playoffs, and the playoffs is a whole different season. And but no, in the playoffs you need to dominate, and I think they have a roster to just dominate the playoffs. I mean, they made great additions this offseason. They got Corey Perry to put on that fourth line with Maroon. I think that's just going to be so funny to watch in the playoffs because those two are ball busters, but at the same time they're good hockey players, and they obviously have so much friggin' firepower and Stamkos and Kucherov and Brady Point and Victor Hedman and they got one of the best goalies in Vasilevsky. So this team is just still great. Um, and the other game, Vegas versus the uh, Seattle Kraken, the first game ever. And I think this was a really good matchup too because it taught me or it taught I think the league a lot about what these two teams are going to be this year. I think Vegas kind of proved that they're a cup contender team I think we knew that. They came out there and showed it, though. And the Kraken, I mean, they came back from 3-0. They had two goals and 62 seconds apart. They tied in the third. I get it. Chandler Stevenson won it. I don't know about it because I kind of thought it was a kick, kicking motion. The rest didn't think so. But I'm telling you, the Kraken look really good. And I'm not saying they're going to have a Vegas-type run. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. But it was really cool to see that they're gonna not going to be a pushover this year. They're going to be a team that is going to be serious competition and is going to compete for a playoff spot. And one of these teams that's been, been in the playoffs, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Kraken sweep a, uh, squeak a spot in and kind of take another team out just by the way this roster is looking and the team dynamics looking. I think they looked really good. They kind of looked exactly like Vegas when they started. You know, you got guys that are just stepping up. And Grubauer is also a great goaltender. Their whole goaltender room is really good because they got the uh, Chris Drieger, too, who's also really good. And I think they thought that was going to be their goalie, and then they were able to get Grubauer. And Grubauer is another great goalie. So it's definitely um, really good to see that, you know, the NHL is able to build these teams right from the start into contending teams because I think it's a lot more competitive than how they used to do it. Because you used to see got teams in the 90s and the 80s when the, and the NHL was last expanding. And that they were nightmares. Nightmare of a team. They were easily the last place team. So it's really cool to see that the NHL has actually incorporated ways to make these teams competitive right off the jump. And it's really entertaining to watch. Um, Alright, I think that's it. Um, let's see. You should reach out to the Twitter please, for our Twitter handle, it is 
Let me excuse me. Let's get the exact one for you guys. It's the underscore MBN podcast. Um, we're posting daily content on there. Just remind you about new stuff that's coming out on like on day reports, stuff like that to kind of just keep that relevance up. And um, yeah, next Wednesday will be our next episode. All right. See ya.